going. And last week, did you talk about, is it the most incredible man in the world or something like that? Yeah. And they, they, and she said that you all had been talking about keeping what you got at camp. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Well, we're going to continue on with that this evening. And, um, okay, there's the clock. We're going to continue on with that this evening. And let's start by turning to Colossians chapter one. This is a scripture that pastor mentions quite a bit, but I think it's important for us to start out here just so that our thinking is right as we get into this. You know, in first, um, second Peter chapter one, Peter said, I'm not going to be negligent to, to uh, minister to you concerning the things that you know and the things in which you're already well established. Just because I'm well, in, well established in an area doesn't mean I don't need to hear it again. I need to be reminded of these things because people just like you sat in seats just like these years ago and they're not even in any church anymore. What happened? Well, they failed to continue to be reminded of what they had. They failed to be continually reminded of what was available to them. Paul says here now in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, he's talking about the, the anointing. He's talking about the mystery of the anointing, how the anointing works, how the anointing manifests in people's lives. And if we look at verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he's talking about the anointing in us. He's talking about it being a mysterious thing, but it doesn't have to be a mystery to us. And in verse 28, he says, whom we preach. So again, he's talking about the anointing, warning every man teaching every man. Now, who gets warned? Everybody. Who gets taught? Everybody. So that everybody can be what? What to say next? What to say next? That we may present every man perfect or mature. Without warning, you can't grow up. And without teaching, you can't grow up. You go to some churches and there's never any message that maybe challenges where we're thinking, well, well, what happens? There's no level of maturity in that church because scripture just says every man and every woman has to be. And notice what it says first. It doesn't say taught first. It says warned first. And then it says taught. There's a reason why scripture is written the way it is. So when it comes to the anointing, the first thing we need to do is we need to be warned. Warned what? Warned now how not to let the anointing wane in our life. The first thing, when it comes to knowing, first thing you got to pay attention to, okay, how do I keep what I got? That's what he's been talking about. How do I keep what I got? That's the first thing I need to, how do I keep what I got? And then the next thing, how do I build on it? How do I continue to build on it? And it says everybody. Now you guys are the faithful bunch. You guys are the guys that Jordan expects to see your faces when he comes up here to quarry. Why? Because you guys are always here. But that doesn't mean that you guys still don't need to be warned. Because it doesn't matter how good of a driver you are, they never come to you and say, you know, Rebecca, you're such a good driver, you know those speed limit, just don't obey it anymore, you're so good. They don't say that to anybody. Why? Because it applies to everybody, because it offers safety to everybody. And that's why we need to pay attention to these things. So let's look for a second at a church. Well, not a second, we're going to actually spend most of our time here tonight. Let's turn and look at a church that needed to be warned. As a matter of fact, they didn't heed their warnings, and that's why they got into the state they were. Um, Re- Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, the Laodicean church. Revelation three fourteen. This is a group that was in a state where they lost what they had. There was something they had, but because they didn't 
heed the warnings. And again, people think of warning, they think, oh, warning, that's a terrible thing. Well, listen, if you're, if you're, well, we got an issue right now with the bridge, right? What if that bridge is about ready to collapse and they decided we're not going to put up any warning signs because we don't want to, we don't want anyone bothered. Would you think that's smart or dumb? Well, that's dumb. That's dumb. We don't look, we don't look at a caution sign and think that, that, that's oppressive. That's bringing me down. I'm offended that it says that. Well, because we realize it offers safety to us. Well, the same thing, whenever a pastor has to get up and minister something and it's a warning, we shouldn't be like, oh my goodness, he's just more rules and regulations. No, no, it's, it's, listen, listen, listen. There's trouble outside of this. Nobody looks at a guardrail and gets mad because they think that guardrail is hindering my driving freedom. I'm going to go right off that thing. Nobody thinks that. Why don't they think that? Because it's dumb thinking. And in the church, it's the same way. Shepherds and ministers set up spiritual guardrails in our lives that will help us understand, don't get over there. It looks good, but don't get over there. Because once you get over there, you'll realize it's not what you want to be in. And it's more, it's more difficult to get back sometimes than it is to get over there. Looking here at the church in Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith uh, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. Now, the first thing he says is, I know what you do. He didn't say, I know how you talk. I didn't know. I, I, I don't know the front. He said, I know what you do. Works here means your deeds. It's not a matter of what I say I do. It's a matter of what do I do? What do I do? It's easy to say, I love God, hallelujah, and then you never come to church. Well, he didn't say, I, 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 I know your speech. He says, I know what you do. I know what you do. Because it's one thing for me to tell my wife I love her all the time, but if I ever never show her that affection by doing nice things for her, eventually those words are hollow. So, and I need to pay attention to that. I know your works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. That's not a good report. That's not a refrigerator scripture that you, you know. They're not singing that down at the Christian Academy Chapel with the preschoolers. Verse uh, 17. Because thou sayest. Now, here's why he does it. Here's why it says you're lukewarm. You're not hot for me. You're not cold for me. You're lukewarm. Here's what it says why they are, they are lukewarm. Because I'll say it's, I am rich. Now, the word rich means fully supplied. These people don't think they have need of a supply. They say, well, I don't need a supply. That's what that word means in the Greek. Rich means fully supplied. They say, I'm fully supplied. When you're fully supplied, you don't need any more. When you're full, you don't eat more. Why? I'm full. I'm fully supplied. These people say, I don't need any more spiritual supply. I got all I need. I am all that. Well, look, you're feeling it. I am anointed. That's their attitude. That's what they're saying. It goes on and says, and increased in goods and have need of nothing, which is what we just addressed. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor. The word poor means powerless. And blind, blind means ignorant. And naked, naked means to be uncovered. Now, looking again, they say they're fully supplied. They said they don't have any need. They don't have any need of church. I can find God on my own at the Christian coffee house. I can find God on my own by watching Christian TV. I can find God on my own by listening to worship CDs. And I don't have to come to church. 
That's what people who are fully supplied, they think, well, I can figure it out on my own. Nobody can figure it out. Jesus didn't figure it out on his own. What did he need? Well, you need somebody to teach him. How many of you are in college right now? Are you learning things you didn't learn in high school? How come you didn't know them in high school? Because you didn't have somebody to teach you at that level. How many of you are in high school? Are you learning things you didn't learn in middle school? Hopefully. <laughs> I know that's a big question mark sometimes. but See, what happens is somebody has to teach. You see, when it comes to the world, when it comes to academics, when it comes to these types of things, we understand somebody has to teach us because if you were never taught, you could never read. If you were never taught, you could never add. If you were never taught, you could never drive. These are things that people can't just figure out what happens. Somebody has to teach them. But oftentimes when it comes to Christianity, for some reason, all the rules go out the door. And some people think, well, I don't need to be taught. I'm very spiritual. Even people in churches get like that. And what do we have to do? We have to guard ourselves. We have to warn ourselves and say, you know, to keep what I got, one of the things I have to do, I got to stay plugged into a church. That's one of the things I have to do. Because we'll see as we look tonight, these other three things that it mentions, poor, blind, and naked, powerless, ignorant, and uncovered, we'll see all of those are covered by being part of a church. And not just coming to a church, but actually being part of the church. There's a big difference between calling someone a pastor and actually having a pastor. There's a big difference between saying I'm a church member and being a church member. People who, 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 who faithfully attend understand, I've got a supply, but I need more of a supply. They also understand, instead of always quoting Philippians 4.19, saying, my God shall supply, they say, I not, only, I, I not only have a supply, I am a supply. Because there are two sides to that. So let's do this. Let's look at these areas. Let's look at um, the first one. I am fully supplied. Now, we understand that God supplies a believer. I just quoted Philippians 4.19. It says, my God shall supply your every need. So we know God supplies. And most people who are believers, they understand that. They get that, okay, God, God can help me in this situation. But how does God help us? God helps us by anointing other people with a supply that we need. When God brings you into a local church, what he does is he puts people together who are anointed to help fix problems in other people's lives. There's an anointing in Stephen that I need to succeed. There's an anointing in Evan that I need to succeed. There's an anointing in Jill that I need to succeed. And there's an anointing in me that you need to succeed. What is it? That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16, every joint supplies doesn't say some do, it says every joint, every single joint. So it's not just a matter of me being connected to receive, it's a matter of me being connected to give out. And that's what covenant is. It's not only, it's not only the receiving, it's the giving. It's not a give-take relationship, it's a receiving and sowing relationship. Look here at Ephesians chapter 4. And it explains this. Now, again, you guys, you're the church bunch, and you know all this, and you guys aren't thinking about running off and doing something foolish. But like we mentioned in Colossians, it says we need to be reminded of these things. We need to be warned about these things to pay attention. Because the same people that I grew up, I remember I, um, I was looking for a picture of Chloe for um, something they were doing at her school, and I ran into these old pictures of when we were in the young adults. 
and all the people that used to be in the young adults with us and stuff like that. And a lot of the people who were in that group aren't in that group anymore. And they were just as or more dedicated than me. But something happened. So don't sit there tonight thinking, well, this could never happen to me. Sure, it could if you let it. It absolutely could. Well, I pray in tongues. Doesn't matter. Well, I do this, doesn't matter. I'm I'm plugged in here, doesn't matter. If you choose to, you can step out of God's will anytime you want. And then you end up being a 40-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 25-year-old that's not plugged into the things of God. And you think, I've got it all figured out. You think, I'm fully supplied. I don't need church. I don't need church to do all that. I can meet God on my own. You know, Pastor read that, 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 that uh, goofy oneness blessing thing the other night in service when he's talking about deliverance that he picked up from one of these health food stores about, you know, cleansing spirits and purging spirits and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Well, what is that? That's people scrambling for the supernatural, but they can't get a handle on it. Men and women crave the supernatural, but you got to get plugged in with the right thing. Why do you think Harry Potter is so popular? Why do you think all these vampire movies, what are they called? What are those called? Twilight. Why do you think all those things are so important or so popular? It's supernatural. It's, oh, and it's a love story, but it, it's supernatural. <laughs> That's the thing. It's supernatural is what it is. That's the draw for a lot of people are those supernatural things. So looking here at Ephesians chapter 4. Looking at how you're supplied by being a part of a local church. Verse um, 8 tells us, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity the captive and gave gifts unto men. So this is talking about Jesus giving gifts to men and women. And then you jump down to verse um, 11. It talks about those gifts. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So he gave us a five-fold ministry gifts. Why did he give us the fivefold ministry gifts? For the perfecting or maturing of the saints. Didn't we just read in Colossians number one that we said we could permit, present every man perfect? Didn't we just read it in Colossians one at the very beginning? How do we present everyone perfect? Firstly, the fivefold ministry gifts have to be involved. You can't be perfect without the ministry. You can't be perfect. Now, by perfect, it doesn't mean you never make a mistake. It just means what are you doing? You're growing up and you're maturing. So it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, do you have to be anointed to work in the church? Should you be anointed to work in the church? Yeah. So as we come and we mature, what do we do? We plug in someplace. Those of you guys who work in the nursery, you may not think it's spiritual. It is spiritual. And you do have to be anointed to do it. Don't look at because people get a Hollywood mentality and they think, well, if it's not visible, it's not important. Make sure you don't crave visibility over fruit. Because some people have sacrificed the fruit that God wanted to produce in their life because they tried to politic themselves to promotion. That's important to pay attention. It's a character issue is what it is. It's a character issue. Character is who you are, and you've heard this before, character is who you are when nobody's around. Reputation is what you try to do for your intended audience. That's the difference between the two. Who I am when the door closes. People who have good character will always have a reputation with right people. But people can have bad character and manufacture a good reputation by putting on a show when they come to church. You know people have done it. Glory to God, praise God, hallelujah, how you doing, Evan? Isn't the Lord good? And then all of a sudden they get out in the, um, they get out in the car, they're beating their kids and yelling at their wife. I'm not saying kids shouldn't be spanked. They shouldn't be beat, but they should be spanked. But what do they do? Well, they just put on a show. Anybody ever know anybody like that? 
They put on a show, and then you get them, get them, you know, away from church, and all of a sudden, well, who in the world are you? It's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of deal. Well, sadly to say, there are spirit-filled believers like that. So, as we were saying, for the perfecting of the saints, you need a supply to be perfected. That you may do the work of the ministry, you need to be anointed to be a part of the body of Christ, to be involved somewhere in the local church. For the edifying of the body of Christ, to build up the church, you can't build up anybody if you're not built up. Therefore, you have to have a supply. I can't edify people if I'm sad all the time. What do I have to do? I've got to be built up. I've got to be supplied. I've got, how can I possibly be a supply to you if I have no supply? I can't be a supply to anybody if I don't have a supply. And to have a supply, what do I need to be? I need to be anointed. How am I anointed? Allow the ministry to do what they need to do in my life. If it's not illegal, immoral, unscriptural, and unethical, it shouldn't be a problem for me. Now, you know, if somebody comes up and prophesies, thus saith the Lord, you're supposed to shoot the guy to save a step. Don't do that. We know that. That's dumb. That's part of knowing your Bible, too. That's part of knowing your Bible. I've known people who have gotten married because somebody prophesied you're supposed to marry this person. And it didn't necessarily bear witness with them, but they married them anyway. Today, when you are prophesied to by a true prophet, it's going to be something that confirms what you already know. God's already dealing with it. It's not direction. During the Old Testament, when a prophet told people, so, it's because they needed direction. Not everybody could be led by the Spirit like we are today. Today, you can be led by the Spirit, and whenever somebody gives you a word, it should confirm what God's already speaking to your heart. If it doesn't confirm, then just put it on a shelf. And maybe later you'll realize, okay, it's on track, and then maybe you'll realize, no. If you ever notice when Pastor talks about words that he receives, he has a paper, and he said, these are the words that I've received from people I trust. Every word I get isn't necessarily from God. It may just be from the tacos the person ate before the service. Verse 14. Well, I'm sorry, verse 13. So we're talking about the ministry in our lives. We're talking about this is what the purpose is. Help us grow up. Help us do our part. How long did this happen? Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So until we are matured, until we're walking in the fullness of the anointing, the fivefold ministry, the ministry, we're still going to need a church. We're still going to need each other. So a person who says, I don't need a supply, I'm fully supplied, can't be telling the truth because nobody's fully supplied. There might be people who get to the end of it. Now, maybe when you're 80 or 90 or 100 and you've done all you're supposed to do, you're not going to meet a 30-year-old who says, I'm it, I'm done. I don't have to go any church. The pastor doesn't know any more than I do. Well, it says you'll have the ministry gifts in your life until you, are, you, until you reach the measure of the stature, until you're like Jesus. So when a person says, I don't need church, they say, I'm like Jesus. Verse 14, that we may henceforth be no more children. Without the ministry in your life, you'll be a child. What do children do? They talk like children. They act like children. You ever met a 30-year-old that acted like a child? Sure. Now, they don't necessarily throw themselves on the floor and kick and scream when they don't get their way, but what do they do? They're moody. What is being moody? It's an adult temper tantrum. It's an adult temper tantrum. Or they get their feelings hurt all the time. And they want to tell you how they hurt my feelings. Well, you big tattletale. 
that you stumbler boys, you've been around my kids. Don't they tattle? Sammy called me poopy. <laughs> Honey, quit tattling. Sammy, don't call your sister poopy. <laughs> well, what's the difference between that and a 40-year-old who says, Micah, I'd like you to pray for me and just tell me what you think about what Brother Justin said to me. Just pray with me about it. And then I go off telling him, well, what's he going to do about it? He's not going to fix that thing. What am I being? I'm being a big tattletale is exactly what I'm being. And you've got 50-year-olds in churches that do that. All I need to do is forgive. That's the, that's the cure for it. Just forgive. You know, you know, I've noticed people never call me to complain about pastor. I've noticed that over the years. I've noticed nobody ever calls me and tells me, Brother Sean, let me tell you how Brother Amsey hurt my feelings. They never call me and tell me that garbage. Why do you think that is? Well, yeah, I'll tell them, well, forgive them. But you don't understand. I don't need to understand. Forgive them. See, when you give that advice, you'll find out who really wants to get this thing resolved and who just wants you to pet me, hold me, hold me tight. So hard. You don't understand. My ego's crushed. Wiener. Now, listen, we've all had our feelings hurt. Everybody in here's had your feelings hurt. But how you deal with it determines, are we talking about somebody who's mature? perfecting every man or if you're not we've all i've had my feelings i tend to be a sensitive person you can ask my wife i'll be i, I will cry at a movie before she ever will matter of fact i'll cry at movie, as a matter of fact we'll be sitting watching the movie and she'll look over me and just smile I'm like what are you looking at she said i'm seeing if you're crying yet <laughs> what are you talking about you mock me I mean, I'm, I'm just wired that way. I'm, I'm wired that And if I let myself, I could get over there and I could be very touchy. Very, when I was young, I was very emotional. Very emotionally driven. I may scream at you. I may swing at you. I may cry with you. All in the span of 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, you just don't know. You would talk about a basket case. Boy, I was, I was the basket and the case. But here, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. When you grow up a little bit, you won't be deceived by everything you see on TV. You won't be deceived by what everybody says. You know, you'll get to a point where people talk to you and you know on the inside if they're being truthful or they're not being truthful. We, I was watching something on, well, uh, well, me and another person were watching something on Christian TV one day, and I was kind of like, something about this ain't right. And the next day we saw a minister, and he said he saw it too. We said, what about that? He said, it's a gimmick. Just a gimmick. They're just trying to get people's money. Well, what happened when we knew that? Something on the inside. Something about that isn't right. What is that? You're not, you're not carried about with the slide of men. People can't trick you. They can't deceive you. You know, you see these things where a woman talks about, he broke my heart. I didn't know he had three wives in different parts of the country. If your spirit led you to sure know. Of course, if your spirit led, you wouldn't have married a knucklehead in the first place. But anyway... Whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Some people are just waiting to deceive you. That's not something to be fearful about. That's a warning. Why? So I can be mature. Why? So I can sense the deception before it takes place. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we can grow up in every area of our lives. 
Every area of our lives. So what is this talked about? This is talked about what the fivefold ministry can do, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher that you have in your life. And we all understand the importance of the pastor having that role because the pastor is the one who stays when everybody else goes. When the teacher comes in teaches, they leave town. When the apostle comes in and ministers, they leave town. When the prophet comes in and ministers, they leave town. When the evangelist comes in and ministers, they leave town. Who do they leave you with? The pastor. The pastor is the one who's stuck with you. And that's the thing. It's great to visit, but don't want to stay. I'm going to leave. It's like when our kids go to grandma's house, it's great to have them visit. But after they jack them up in sugar and and pop, okay, send them home. And who has to deal with them? We. Well, that's what happens with pastors sometimes. People go to ministers' meetings and they hear stuff and they learn stuff. and They have stuff prophesied over them. Then they come back to the church and the pastor has to deal with all that. You have to have a pastor to be grown up spiritually. With no pastor, you can't mature. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 tells us that. But verse 16 goes beyond just the ministers. It talks about us now as a church family. It says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let's break this down a little bit. Whom the whole body fitly joined together so we all fit nobody should ever be like i don't fit i don't fit you'll you'll have people what will happen is they'll be in a church for 20 years and they'll come to pastor and say pastor i just don't fit well wait a second why did it take you two decades of your life to figure out you don't fit let me ask you something when you go to try on new clothes do you wear a pair of jeans for 20 years before you realize these are two sizes too small every time i wear my legs go numb Does it take you 20 years to figure that out? No. When you put on a shirt, does it take you three years to realize this is way too big? No. It doesn't take you that long to figure out. Then why in the world, if you have any sort of spiritual sense, whatever, did it take you 20 years to figure out you don't fit in a church? It doesn't take that long. What happened? Somebody got offended. Somebody got offended and they chose not to fit anymore. They chose not to fit. That's why that type of thing takes place. So we all fit. If this is where God told you to be, This is where you fit. It's not really a difficult thing to figure out. So the first part of that says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. Now, not only are we connected, we're compacted. You can be connected, but loosely connected. Have you ever tried to water the flowers in the yard or the grass or something like that, and the holes wasn't connected properly, and you got water spraying out over? Oh, right out here, has anybody ever watered the front, the front, um, watered out here in the front with this spigot that's by that fan thing? And every time you turn off, water shoots all over you. The night girls, God bless them, they came and they watered one day. And they came and said, we can't get it turned off. We can't get it turned off. It's so hard to turn off. We need some help. And then Donna says, shut! And so I come out, and I, and I forgot. I forgot it did that. So I'm out there, and I'm, was I wearing a suit that day? I was in a suit, tying everything. So I'm turning that speaker, and all of a sudden, when it, water goes off, it's not connect, it, it's, it's connected, it's not compacted. Compacted means there's no loss of supply. It means it's so tight, there's no loss. Connect, you can be loosely connected. That hose was connected, but was loosely connected. When it's compacted, it means it's so tight, nothing's getting loose. Well, I turn that thing off, all of a sudden it sprayed all over me, and I walk out, and I look like I've just wet myself, and they're like, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Thanks for your supply. What happened? Well, that hose was connected, but it wasn't compacted. 
Compacted means there's no supply lost. There's no supply loss. Connected, you could lose a p- supply. But here it says we're compacted, which means no supply is lost. Why are we compacted? Because that which every joint supplies, it means every joint's doing something. Every joint's doing something. You have a brother or sister, and they have chores, but they never seem to do them theirs, and it creates more work for you. People in the church family do the same thing. Everybody has house chores, but some people, they don't want to do it. You mean I got to be involved in the ministry of helps? Yes, you have to be involved in the ministry of helps. I don't want to do my part. Whenever I don't do my part, someone else has to pick up my slack. Whenever I don't do my part, it means more work for everybody. So I can come in and tell everybody I love them, but if I'm not involved somewhere in the ministry of helps, are my actions, are my deeds showing that love? No, they're not. And what's God say? I know your works. Big talker, where's the fruit out of what you've been saying? Again, just things we need to consider. We need to pay attention to people who stay plugged in to the local church, people who create relationships in the local church, stay connected in the local church, and you see maturity in their eyes. Your best friends should be in the church. Your best friends should be in Develop relationships. Why? We all fit. That doesn't mean that you can't have other people that you're around and that you see and things like that, but your fellowship should be with people of your company. Listen, listen, listen. That's not saying... You can't have friends outside the church. It's saying, where's your focus, however? Here's the thing. There's a big difference between being narrow-minded and being focused. People will take churches like ours and take churches that are covenant-minded churches, and they'll say, ooh, you guys are cultish. You make me very uncomfortable. Well, you're narrow-minded. Well, let's look at the difference between the two. A narrow-minded person says, this is what I'm doing, and everything else is wrong. That's what narrow-minded says. Everybody else is wrong. Focused, supply-minded company, people who understand company say, this is what I'm doing. And that's not necessarily wrong. It's just wrong for me to be a part of it. I'm not supplied to do that, and they're not supplied to get me what I need. You don't say, what, you don't say they're wrong. You just say, it's not for me. It's not what I'm supposed to be a part of. That's why pastors stood up before and said, I don't go to every prophet's meeting. Is he saying that all other prophets are false prophets? No. What is he just saying? I'm focused on what I'm doing. That's what they're doing. And that's great. That's what they're doing. But it's not what I'm supposed to do. So don't ever mistake being focused with being narrow-minded. Just because we're not involved in something doesn't mean it's wrong. We don't have a food pantry here. Our food pantry's wrong. No, it's just not what we're called to do. We, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have an orphanage. Our orphanage is wrong. No, orphanages aren't unscriptural. We're just not called to do that. So don't get caught up in the mindset when somebody, well, you're just too narrow. No, 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 no. I'm just focused. Listen, a laser beam and that can light right there, both are full of light particles. What's the difference? Focus. The difference between the two is focus. When you need to break through something in your life, you don't need that. You need the laser. That's the reason some people never get through and into the things they've got that they're supposed to. They're just not focused. Well, I'm over here involved in this because they're doing this down at the Christian coffee shop. I'm over here because they're doing this on Christian TV. I'm over here doing this because they're having an intercessory prayer group. I'm over here doing this. You can spread yourself so thin you never have much fruit in anything. Why? You're not focused. You're not focused. Find out what am I called to do and stick with it. And don't vary off that. What am I called to do? Listen, just because somebody's involved in a lot of things doesn't mean they're supposed to be involved in any of it. Where's the fruit of that issue?
So again, we talked about verse 16. Every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. What does all that mean? It just means you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this much, do this much. The measure you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to do this much, do this much. What's that? That's your measure. That's what, um, that's what Moses talked about. Well, Jethro came to Moses, talked about it. He said, listen, put some people in charge of 10 people, some people in charge of 50 people, some people in charge of hundreds, some people in charge of thousands. It's not the size that makes what you're doing right or wrong. It's that you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing. Some people aren't anointed to do certain things. Other people are anointed to do certain things. Just find your spot and do what you're anointed to do. What's that? What is that? That's the measure of every part. And when everybody does it, what happens? Makes increase of the body and we all build ourselves up. Why does it happen? The last word, love. I don't do my part, I don't love you. If I don't do my part, I don't love you. What motivates people to do their part? Love. What is love? Self-sacrificing. Even when it's inconvenient, I'll come to church and teach the kids. Do you think every Sunday morning I wake up giddy with excitement to deal with a group of children? Do you think I get up every Sunday morning excited to see barbecue? I've dreamt about him all night. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see him. No, that's not necessarily the case. And I'm not dogging barbecue just because he's my nephew. But no, you don't always feel like doing it. Hey, listen, for those of you who aren't married yet, you don't get up every morning, look at your spouse and get those butterflies. I got warm feelings and it's like honey's all over me and I'm so anointed and excited. It's not like that. Sometimes you wake up and oh, here we go. (laughs) Time to get up and live another day. See, when you live by your emotions, I'm not saying that because Jenny's bad. I'm sure Jenny gets up, looks at me, sometimes sees me and I'm drooling and got my tongue out of my mouth. She's like, what in the world? (laughs) What happened to his face? (laughs) Kind of thing. It's just life. It's just life. And you got to guard yourself because the love of God has nothing to do with emotions. If people live their lives with emotions, they're, they're just up and down constantly. I mean, constantly up and down. You guys know people like that in high school. I remember when I taught in high school, you'd have this couple, and they've been going out for six years, and, you know, she's got his class ring with yarn around the ring, and she's so excited, and they love each other. And first period, they love each other. Second period, they hate each other's guts. Third period, they want to have babies. Fourth period, I'm going to shoot you. Fifth period, I hate your parents. You know, between every service, there's something. What is that? That's emotionally led living. I don't have Blue Mondays. Why? I choose not to have Blue Mondays. What do you feel like? Doesn't matter what I feel like. I tell myself what to feel. Doesn't matter how I feel. Should be the same every day. Yesterday, today, and forever. Just the same. Now, I'm always the same. No. But I'm working on it and I'm moving toward it. I'm, I'm, I'm what? Maturing. How do you mature? The anointing. How do you, how do you keep the anointings? What we're talking about. Stay plugged in. How are you going to be anointed if you're not plugged into your joint of supply? Why are some people in churches more moody than others? Some are more plugged into their supply than others. What's pastors say? If you say drunk in the Holy Ghost, everything looks great. What's wrong? You're not drunk. Why aren't you drunk? You're not plugged in right. When you're anointed, smooth sailing, man. Why do some people freak out? They're not plugged in right. See, you, you can't separate the natural from the spiritual. You can't separate uh, your practical everyday living. We're, we're, we're spirit beings. Everything we do spiritual. Everything we do spiritual. All of it is. 
So we, we see back here in Revelation, we said one of the things we said is they said, I am rich. I'm abundantly supplied. Well, we just said right there, you can't be abundantly supplied if you're not connected in the local body. How are you going to get a supply if you don't have anybody supplying you? You're going to let the TV supply you. You're going to let movies supply you. You're going to let music supply you. No, you can't be supplied without brothers and sisters with whom you're properly connected. Can there be unique situations where somebody's out on a desert island on their own? thing? Well, you know, God's grace, he'll work things out. But typically, that's not the case. When you've got an opportunity to be a part of a local body, that's where you're supposed to be, part of a local body. Amen. And the more you come, the more you get. The less you come, the less you get. You come two services a week, you'll get two-thirds of what everybody else gets. Come three, you'll get three-thirds. Come one-third, you'll get 30%. 30% school's failing. So you can end up wherever you want to be in the whole thing. Completely up to you. Why? Because God gave you a free will to make choices. He gave us a free will, and we can make decisions as far as we need to. Hey, when do we need to shut this down? Well, I know I'll keep going, but when do we need to shut this down? What time do you usually stop? Nobody knows. You guys black out What? Uh, about 7.30 I started, about 40 minutes maybe. Okay. Well, let's do this and let's look at the next thing they said. The next thing they said is you're powerless. It said um, uh, the people in Laodicea, they said, I am rich, which means abundantly supplied. We just talked about that. Another one says, I am poor. Poor means powerless. The believer shouldn't be powerless. What did Matthew chapter, oh, was it chapter 8? Oh, somebody help me. Where it talks about the Roman centurion. Matthew, was that Matthew 8? Let me see. Yep, Matthew 8. Yeah, I think Matthew 8. Let's just say it's Matthew 8. What do you say? And he said, came to Jesus and he said, my servant, Matthew 8, 8 or something like that. He came and said, my servant is sick. Is that what it is? Matthew 8, 8. Okay. He said, my servant's sick. Would you come? Uh, not would you come, but would you heal him? And Jesus said, I'll come. He said, no, 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 you don't have to come. All you need to do is speak the word. My servant will be healed. He said, because I'm a man under authority. You see, I understand authority. I'm under authority, therefore I have authority. I tell these guys to go and do something, they go and do it. And Jesus said, I've not found such great faith in Israel. He said, now, the woman woman who came and she had the girl that she wanted prayed for, and Jesus said, we don't, you know, give the bread to dogs, called her a dog. He said her faith was great, and it was great faith, but he said this guy had the greatest faith because he understood authority. How did he get authority? He was under authority. Why are these people powerless? Why don't they have any authority? Because they're not under authority. They're out from the church and they're loosey-goosey. They're doing their own thing. I'll just watch the TV preacher and I can get what I want. Well, that's not what Scripture indicates. You have to be properly connected and under authority. And it's safe when you're under authority. It's safe. You may not admit it, but there is a safety for you teenagers living in your parents' home. You don't have to scramble around wondering all the time, what am I going to wear today? Where am I going to find clothes? Where am I going to find food? It's going to be 30 degrees outside. We might freeze to death. Well, no, you got heat. You got all this kind of stuff. All this kind of stuff. Why? Because there's safety when you're under authority. Wait until you move out. Wait until you move out. Now, we understand there's an authority crush, but there's a different responsibility when you move out. Brother Dustin, was it different when you moved out versus when you lived at home? Everything changes. Everything changes. Why? Because you got to pay the light bill then. 
You got to find your food then. You got to get your clothes then, all that sort of stuff. It all changes. There's a safety when you're under authority. Well, in Christianity, we're under the authority of Jesus, but there's also safety. He gives you a pastor. You're under that authority. So you don't have to go praying about God. Should I be involved in what that television minister is talking about? Is pastor involved in it? As, as, as she, um, the shepherd is the only one who sees where the church should be going. His job's to see the path. What's my job as a sheep? To see the back of my pastor and just follow the back of him. Yes, it's real easy. Yes, it's not difficult. That's why he gave us the analogy of the church being like sheep with the shepherd. You just follow the, you just follow the pastor. It's super easy. He says, this is a good meeting to go to. I'm going to go to it. He said, this is good material. I'm going to get that material. He said, this is something that I wouldn't get involved in. I don't get involved in it. If I don't hear him talk about it, I'm not doing it. I don't hear him bring it up from the front. I'm not going to read. doesn't mean it's bad. It just means he didn't bring it up. If he didn't bring it up, why would I do that? Because what happens is you get, well, he talked to one lady one time, and she talked about she'd been listening to all these different people, and he said, quit doing that. He said, you're getting confused in your spirit. You're listening to all these different stuff. Pay attention. Stay focused on what you're supposed to do. And when you do that, what happens? You're under authority. You automatically have authority. You don't have to go looking for it. You got it. You don't have to go looking for it. You got it. So he said to that group of Laodicea, he said, you guys are poor or you guys are powerless. Next, he says, you're blind, which means you're ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It means you just don't know. You just don't know. But in Jeremiah 3.15, what did he tell us? I will give you pastors according to my heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. If you got a pastor, there's no, no excuse being ignorant. People who don't have a pastor, they're ignorant. Why? Because they're left to themselves to figure everything out. So you hear one preacher say sickness is for day. You hear the next preacher say it's not. How are you going to figure out what's what? That's why you need someone who knows more than you do to bring the scriptures to you so you can understand. The Laodiceans didn't have that. Why? They said, I'm fully supplied. But God said, no, you're not. You're powerless. You're not under authority. He said, you're blind. You're ignorant. And then he said, you're naked. You're uncovered. What's that mean? You're not under proper spiritual covering. What does it say of people who aren't under proper spiritual covering? Matthew, 9, Matthew chapter 9 says, Jesus wept and had great compassion over them because they were scattered as sheep who had no shepherd. People's lives are scattered. What's that mean? Well, it's kind of like this. When you get born again, all of the benefits of redemption are yours. All of them are yours. But what, it, what, what that kind of uh, indicates in the Greek is Satan comes and he throws you down and he shakes you around and all of those things fling off of you. A pastor is kind of like the glue that keeps them attached to your life. So when you go through a test or trial, you know how to keep what you got. And you don't start questioning prosperity. You don't start questioning a sound mind. You don't start questioning your health. That's what happens when you're under a covering. In Ezekiel chapter 34, starting in verse 1, it says when people don't have a shepherd, it says they're meat for all the beasts of the field. That, that, that's, not a, that's not a refrigerator scripture either. What's that mean? You're fair, you're fair game. You are fair prey. Why? You don't understand how protection works. You don't necessarily understand how angels work. You don't understand these things because you're not under somebody who, number one, covers you, but you're not under somebody who has taught you and helped you not be ignorant. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have a relationship with God and you don't have interaction with God and things like that. But the way God set this up is he put people in our lives to help in addition to what he's doing. Because I don't know about you. I've missed it sometimes. Sometimes I've just been dense. 
what I need. I need somebody to look me in the eye and say, Sean, do this. Sean, don't do that. What's that? That's what a shepherd does to you. Because when I say it's just me and God, then it's just left up to me to be spiritually sensitive enough to hear what he's saying. And I have to admit in every instance I haven't. And I think we could all admit that. That's why he gives you somebody because we're also beings that can lean a little natural. Sometimes he gives you someone in the natural that you can see. And it's hard to mistake when they say, don't do this. You know, I may miss when God says it, but then he tells the pastor and the pastor says, don't do this. You ever been sitting in a service and you've been pondering about doing something or not doing something. And all of a sudden the pastor, totally unrelated to the message, says something. You're like, that's my answer. What is that? That's God. He was trying to get through to you. And now, okay, I'm going to do it this way now. Okay, thanks, God. I needed that. That's exactly what I What is that? That's the safety of being under a covering. That's to help us not be ignorant concerning decisions. There's a, there's a, 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 a lack of it. Well, there's a, a being in the Bible will get rid of some of that ignorance. But being under a shepherd will help the rest because the Bible doesn't tell you who to marry. It just gives you disqualifiers of who not to marry. But, but the Bible doesn't say, thus saith Devon, Mary, you know, Sister Susie Joe from Georgia. It doesn't say that. be great if it did. But, of course, if it did, then you wouldn't have to develop any sort of fellowship to be able to hear God for yourself. Amen. But what does he do? He puts people in our lives to help us. God puts people in our lives to help us. So when it comes to, you know, you guys went to the camp and you had a great camp and you have a great camp every year and it just keeps getting better every year. But the thing is, you have to pay attention. How do I keep what I have? You keep what you have, number one, staying plugged in. Stay plugged in because Satan will try to get you distracted. If he can't get you to sin, maybe you're not out smoking dope. Maybe you're not out sleeping around. Maybe you're not out watching bad movies. But if he can't get you to do those things, then what he'll do is he'll change his focus. He'll stop trying to get you to sin, and he'll try to get you to waste your time. If I can't get him to sin to keep him out of church, what I do is I just keep bringing up distractions. I keep bringing up things to try to keep him out of church. I'll try, I'll try to get people to call him to do something on Thursday night. I'll try to get people to, to make him stay out so late Sunday, I mean Saturday night, that they drag into church and they're not able to receive because they're so tired. See, that's the way the devil works. If he can't get me to sin, he'll get me to waste my time because people who sin and people who waste their time have the same fruit, limited fruit. Limited fruit. So how do I keep what I got? How do I keep what I got? Stay plugged in. Stay plugged in. Do, go do stuff together. Go do stuff together. Go to, go to a movie. Go out to eat with each other. Now, I realize some of you are married, some of you aren't, so the dynamics of that thing could be a little different. But hang out with each other. Create relationships that will help solidify what you've got here. It'll help solidify. Do stuff together. You know, I know we, we go to Donna sometimes when we eat, and I always see the Stumblers over there, and I see uh, Bruce over there, and Dee over there, and I see Credo over there sometimes, and different guys. That's good. That's good. Take time to fellowship. Take time to develop relationships. You may think, well, I don't really know anybody. Well, have you introduced yourself? For those of you, you guys are kind of the core. Whenever you have new people come in, reach out to them. Well, they acted kind of weird. Well, you act kind of weird sometimes too. <laughs> Rebecca, don't look at anybody else. No, we all act weird sometimes. And when you, hey, hey, listen, you know how it is. The first day of school, you come in and you don't know anybody. It's kind of awkward. Church is the same way. 
Church the same way. De- dealing with the adults, sometimes first time they start coming to church, man, they're a little awkward. They're a little odd. They're difficult to deal with. Doesn't, not, not, not as far as they're bad, but they're just uncomfortable, you can tell. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're uncomfortable. What's our job? To help comfort them. Help come, welcome. Hey, we're going to the graders to get a Persian nut. Want to go with us? A Persian nut. A Persian nut is a Sunday at graders. They put butterscotch and this folded cream together with pecans. It is worthy. But that's a different story. Hey, we're going to go to graders, get something you want to go. Hey, we're going to go to Porto. Hey, we're going to go to the tumbleweed. Hey, we're going to go get some pizza. You want to go with us? Just ask them. Just ask them, hey, you want to go? And if they say, no, that's cool, but what did you do? You, you, you asked. You asked. It's not like you got a group of guys standing over talking to each other. you got a new guy here nobody talks to him. It's not just the leaders who should do it. It's us. It's us. We reach out. We be friendly. We talk to people. We invite people. And be fun and understand this. When people first come to their church, this church, they may be involved in some carnal things. You don't necessarily need to beat them over the head with it. You what? You watch Twilight. Sinner! come on man we were all there one time we all got to figure it out amen Amen. so how do i keep what i got one of the things i need to do stay plugged in stay plugged in stay plugged into the ministry of helps be at the services rearrange my life so i can be at church because church is where i get a supply and it helps me remain anointed i have things i can do at home and i should do at home i have things i can and should do on my personal time but i can't neglect the local church because jesus specifically gave me the local church to help me keep things right amen well glory be to god are there any anything i need to say brother d or whoever before we split brother dustin no. Um, Sunday. Hey, by the way, raise hands if you are thinking you want to go on the mission trip. Anybody? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. All right. That's great. We have the meeting Sunday at 430. I'll be giving you all kinds of information about that. Anybody in here, raise your hand if you've already started fundraising. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Did, Sean, didn't you email your boss? Here, raise your hand. It's fundraising. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Hey, start. Start. You know, right now the cost of the trip is about $2,100. That's three payments of $700. We're hoping that lace payment is going to be quite a bit less than that, but don't know until we get the final prices in. Um, Pastor Mike Rabel, who's going with us, asked, how many people you got? And I said, well, Jordan, Brother Jordan gave me a list of 38. I said, but I'll tell you, October the 24th. And I said, I'll tell you October the 24th because October the 23rd is the first payment. Because it's great, we all want to go, but the key, what am I willing to do to get those funds? To get those funds to, and, and to have them available. So I go, it's going to be a great trip. We're going to Manzanillo. Manzanillo isn't necessarily a location where you have a lot of North Americans. You know, if you go to Puerto Vallarta or you go to Cancun or something like that, that's a tourist destina- destination for a lot of North Americans. Manzanillo on the Pacific side, that's a tourist definition for a lot of, de- definition, destination for a lot of the Mexican people. So you won't have as many English speakers there. So, and we're going to talk about you don't just run off in the market. I speak Spanish. I used to watch Door Explorer when I was a kid. I could do, well, hey, 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 it's a different world, man. So, we'll talk about it Sunday. We'll also talk about our first fundraiser. It's going to be Hallelujah Night. We're going to ask you to get some food together. You can cook it yourself or you can find somebody to cook it for you, but you bring it. Soup, chili, cookies, brownies, um, hot dogs, 
stuff like that. Like I said, somebody else could cook it, but you need to bring it. All right? So any questions before we split? Again, we'll deal with all that. I'll have all kinds of paperwork to give you when we meet. I think Jordan actually has already started giving you some paperwork up here about the trip. No questions or anything? Thanks, you guys. Had a great time. Pay attention that you stay plugged in. That's how you keep what you got. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters.